Well, good morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for all that you are. We thank you for your awesome power, Lord. You work in us. You work through us, Lord. We see your power all around us and we praise you for it. And we pray now, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit will be upon us as we look at your word. Lord, this is our guidebook for life. And we thank you for the power that it holds, Lord. If we apply the word to our lives with faith, we thank you for the miracles that we can see. So we praise you now, Lord, and ask you to bless us as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So as I said earlier, we look at the theme today, the last theme in this series of the book of James, and the subject is prayer. Now, I did think that before we looked at the word, it might be useful to consider some aspects of prayer. And this is not meant to be exhaustive in any means, but just a few things before we come to the word. So prayer is essentially communicating with God and as we usually pray to God and expect him to answer our prayers there's an implied two-way communication. I hope we expect him to ask our prayers but there are conditions of course. As we humbly bring our prayers and requests for ourselves, for others for various wider situations, some of those we've heard about, for our church, for the local community, our country and even the world. We need to listen to what God says to us and tells us about these things that we bring to him. Now obviously some prayers will not be heard by God because for example they may be contrary to his word. Or else, as we will see later in James, we approach with the wrong attitude. We must remember the wider aspects of prayer, that there is confession and repentance and worship, praise and thanksgiving. They should all play a part in our prayer life. And how do we discern what God is saying in answer to our prayers? You may remember that Tom, well, he's been leading us through the heroes of faith in Hebrews, I'm sure you won't forget that. There's a verse in Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, which speaks of the faith that is needed when we come to the Lord in prayer. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's a part of prayer, diligently seeking the Lord as well and having faith, of course. Not just believing that he's there, but believing that he will ask. And we can see that from the example of Jesus when he talked about the true vine. He claimed in John fifteen seven, or he told his disciples, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And that's of course because we desire what God desires, not because we desire what we want for ourselves. Now we may hear sometimes answers to our prayers by hearing God's word. This may be by reading the scriptures to ourselves or hearing them read aloud at a prayer meeting or in the church. We may hear answers through the working of God's spirit through um, fellow believers, 
through what the preacher preaches, through what um, conversations we engage in with our fellow believers, and through our own consciences talking to us. The Holy Spirit prompting us in all these ways. Now, apart from some prayers not being answered at all, as we come to look at James, we will see that some prayers are answered when certain other conditions have met. And um, as we come to James, there is really only one major passage, as I said earlier, about prayer. But there are allusions to prayer in some of the other passages that we've looked at before. And we'll look at these before we go to chapter 5. These have all been covered under different themes, but um, as I've said before, the themes, the demarcation between themes is not always clear, it overlaps. And um, you can um, sometimes see a link between two themes that are next to each other with a couple of verses in between. They could apply to the previous reading or the, the subsequent reading, so they're not entirely clear. But um, our first allusion then to prayer is James chapter 1 verses 5 to 8. And we dealt with this under the theme of wisdom previously. So if we look at that, James chapter 1 verses 5 to 8. Reading from verse 5 then. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In this passage, James calls his readers to pray to God for what they may lack, in this case wisdom, and uses the phrase in verse 5, let him ask of God. So that's the allusion to prayer. We also see here an example where conditions apply before the petition is answered. In verse 6, it is necessary to ask in faith and without doubting. And in verse 8, doubting is further expanded to include a double-minded person, unstable in all his ways. And I've said before, I think, that double-minded probably means uh, referring to the kind of person that has one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. And isn't that true of all of us, if we are honest? Not totally committed and submissive to Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Unstable in all his ways could include, again, those unable to put their trust Um, fully in God and rely on him fully and also those who may be battling with inner moral conflict perhaps lusting after the pleasures of this fallen world when the requisite conditions are met we see from verse 5 that God will give liberally and without reproach and again there's an implicit condition always there that it's in accordance with God's will. Now we have um, another three allusions to prayer in a chapter in um, a passage that we looked at under worldly indulgence, and this is James four, verses one to ten. 
we'll look at the whole passage, but concentrate on the verses only which um, James causes reader to, readers to ask God and seek God, hence those allusions to prayer. So James 4, verses 1 to 10. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So in verse 3, James tells his readers that if they ask God for something with wrong motives, that is to spend it on their pleasures, their prayers will not be answered. David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Wrong motives can sometimes stem from pride, and is perhaps a reason why James mentions pride and humility in verses 6, 7 and 10 of this passage. In verse 8 of the passage, draw near to God, is an allusion to prayer because it reflects on our desire to communicate with our Heavenly Father and learn what he is telling us and leading us to do. James's promise, and he will draw near to you, speaks about God's love for his children and his desire to guide and direct them in the way of righteousness. And you may remember that um, last month when we looked at this passage, I was reminded of the father's love for the returned prodigal son. Think about that. Verses 8 and 9 speak about repentance, which I said previously should be part of our prayer life. In this earthly body, we may time, from time to time fall into sin, but let's keep short accounts with God and remember John's word, words from his first letter, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. I think most Church of England background people know these by heart. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's thank God for Jesus, who took our sins upon himself. 
So now we come to the main passage in James which deals with prayer and that's in chapter 5 verses 13 to 18. Chapter 5, 13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The passage on um, prayer can be divided into two sections. Verses 13 to 16 constitute a call for prayer in every circumstance in life. And verses 17 and 18 illustrate the effectiveness of sincere prayer, using as an example Elijah in his conflict with Ahab and the prophets of Baal. And you can read about all of that in 1 Kings chapters 17 and 18. Now in verses 13 to 16, James uses the following conditions as representative of all of life's circumstances, good or bad, here on this earth. So, as I say, these things are representative of the things we go through. In our suffering, verse 13, he says we should pray. Suffering here could be troubles and persecution, which are mentioned earlier in the letter, and especially in verse uh, 10 of chapter 5. And we should seek God's comfort through prayer. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We also have um, a wonderful promise from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. I'm sure you know these by heart. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now also in verse 13, in our cheerfulness, James says we should sing psalms. As I said earlier, uh, praise and thanksgiving should form a part of our prayer life. Again, we can look to Paul's letters for encouragement in this area. He charges us to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the letter to the Ephesians. And verses 19 to 21 encourages us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I think we had this earlier, um, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Back to James 5 verse 14. In our sickness, we should call for the elders. Let them pray over us and anoint us with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, anointing with oil, just as an aside, had um, different um, uses and meanings. It was used um, ceremonially as in the cleansing ritual of a leper in Leviticus 14.18. Oil was used in a medicinal way as a soothing balm in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you may remember, that he put oil and wine on the, uh, the Jews' wounds. Here in James, anointing with oil is possibly um, symbolising the elders' encouragement, comfort and strengthening of the believer as the elders pray for the person that's asked for the prayer. And the promise of the actions carried out in verse 14 are given in the next verse. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will, will raise him up. And I think we need to remember that these promises will not always refer to physical healing because these bodies of ours, as Russell said earlier, will eventually die. However, we can be assured of spiritual healing because of the life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The second half of verse 15 says, And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven and does not, of course, refer to elders forgiving sins. We're taught that only God can forgive our sins. In verse 16, James widens the scope for all believers, not just elders, praying for each other. And he includes confessing our sins to one another. Now, I don't know if you remember Tom's um, comment on that verse I think it was, was it last week, Tom, or the week before? Um, it's, it's probably best translated, the word used for sins there is probably best translated faults. It's not such a strong word as um, uh, deliberately singing, or the meaning is not as, as strong as deliberately sinning. But if a person has sinned against a fellow Christian, they should confess the sin to that person. And this may lead to mutual confession allowing them to pray for each other and to receive healing and reconciliation. And confessing sins to fellow believers who have not been injured in any way by us and are not elders or pastors can be damaging to a fellowship or the persons concerned and should not be undertaken lightly. We're not here to um, tell people how good we are at sinning, are we? So remember, we should be building up the body, not, um, not bringing it down. Now, James ends verse 16 with the assurance that the fervent prayer of the righteous, shall we say, those forgiven and abiding in Christ, the righteous is effective and avows much, such as the healing of the sick. Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 29 tells us, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. 
Now in verses 17 and 18, James gives us the illustration of powerful and effective prayer in the person of Elijah. And the reason for Elijah's power in prayer was twofold. Simple, he was righteous and he prayed earnestly. And James points out that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he had no superhuman powers of his own, but that he was right with God and he was used mightily by God. Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain. As I said, you can read this account in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. And um, I recommend that you read this at home. You probably know the story, but it's very encouraging, very uplifting. And the idea uh, behind this illustration from James is to assure his readers that such answers to prayer are within reach of every believer. We are made righteous in Christ and when we are earnest and sincerely want to see God's will be done, combined with faith, much can be achieved for God's glory. Now incidentally, if you want a bit more encouragement, if you read uh, 1 Kings 17 and 18, you'll also see that during the period of the drought of three and a half years, Elijah was miraculously provided with food by a widow, which was food was probably um, under short supply, who was also provided for along with her son. Uh, the oil in the jar didn't run out. And in addition to this, when the widow's son died, Elijah prayed to the Lord and the boy was revived. And Elijah was a man just like us. So, lessons um, on prayer from James. Now, as this is um, quite short, I wanted to, and it's the last theme, I wanted to also summarise very quickly um, some of the points that we've heard from all of the other themes of James. But first of all, to conclude our theme of prayer, what can we learn from James? Well, to see our prayers answered, we must have faith. That was from chapter 1, verse 6, and from chapter 5, verse 15. We must have our minds on the things of God. Chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 4, verse 4. We must be submissive to and dependent upon God. We must have pure motives. We must repent of any sin in our lives. And it goes without saying really, but when we do receive answers to our prayers, we must all rem always remember to give thanks and praise to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, the themes that we've dealt with in the past, I thought I would begin um, just a brief synopsis of some of the points, not all of them, but some of the points that we heard. And I've chosen to start with responding to God's word because um, for me, this is a very practical letter on how to live the Christian life. And probably the most important verse of the letter, again for me, is James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
So responding to God's word, what we need to do, we need to remember that God is good and every good and perfect gift comes from him. He brought us forth by the word of truth. This refers to our salvation through Jesus Christ. We need to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. That's chapter 1, verse 21. We need a humble and teachable spirit to hear God's word. And this is an interesting one, and perhaps I can share a little bit of a personal thing here. Um, As wandering from the truth of God's word leads to spiritual death, we need to watch out for ourselves and our brethren, but we also need to think about the lost, and there's a sort of call to evangelism here. And um, because we had uh, this session this morning of sharing, I'd like to share about our neighbour. We have a neighbour that's had a severe stroke, and Jill and I have tentatively, not um, pushingly, but tentatively had tried to invite him to a church in the past and various social functions at churches, and he's shown no no, um, interest whatsoever in religion or faith of any kind or anything like that. And we're now in a dilemma. Um, He's been in hospital about six weeks, isn't it now? More than six weeks. Um, He is recovering, but we don't really know how to pray. We don't know how to approach the family. But it might be that we ask you all to pray for this man. His name is Colin. Colin, and he lives next door to us. He's he's a a very um, good neighbour. You know, there's no noise, there's no disturbance from him. Um, But he's just not interested in the things of God. Um, so he's a lost soul isn't he and um, he's on our hearts so perhaps you join us and who knows we might see um, a miracle in his life now uh, moving on perseverance and suffering under trials we looked at and we're told that we need to praise Jesus even when we suffer trials because if we persevere He will perfect that work which he started in us. When we pass the test by showing our perseverance and love of God, now isn't it interesting, this came up this morning, we will receive our reward, the crown of life. Who said that? Was that you, Diana? Somebody read that out, didn't they? Catalina. Well, when faced with temptation, God will provide a way of escape. And we have to choose to call on the Holy Spirit to help us and strengthen us to be victorious in Jesus. We need to be swift to hear and slow to speak and keep ourselves from becoming angry. We need to be patient towards people as well as situations and circumstances that cause us trials. And we must avoid grumbling and murmuring against each other. We looked at wisdom and impartiality and we need to remember that man's wisdom and God's wisdom are miles apart. If we lack wisdom and ask God, he will give liberally to all who ask him faith. Let us not doubt God and his goodness or be double-minded with one foot in God's kingdom and the other foot in the world. Let's ask for forgiveness if we're like that in any... Well, we will be like that because we know we sin, but let's ask for for forgiveness whenever we do these sort of things. 
keep short accounts with God. With regards to impartiality, this again comes back to the evangelistic um, uh, area as well. Let us remember that Jesus died for all and desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Let us always be humble before our God, regardless of our status in the eyes of the world, rich or poor. Let us love God with all our heart, mind and soul, but love our neighbours also as ourselves. And let's always show mercy to others that we may receive God's mercy. We looked at controlling the tongue. Again, we can think about being swift to hear and slow to speak um, in regards to controlling the tongue. Our mouths speak is what is really in our hearts. And are we in a right relationship with God and each other? Let us remember the influence of the tongue. It can either control or destroy. It can bring good or evil. No man by himself can tame the, the tongue, but with the help of the Holy Spirit and our desire and willingness, the tongue can be controlled. Let us bite our tongues before we bite the backs of brethren and repent of any evil thoughts before they become words. We looked at faith and works, very important subject, but... Um, can be summarised in few words, I think. James makes it clear that people can have faith, but faith without works is dead. Do we have a living faith, we need to ask ourselves. There are scriptures such as Paul's letters to the Ephesians and Titus, which show quite clearly that we are saved to serve both Jesus and his body, the church. And we are born again of God's spirit who enables us to complete the work for which we have been called. And we looked at worldly indulgence and James points to humility as the cure for worldliness and gives us what I called his Ten Commandments. Submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Lament, mourn, weep. Turn your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And further, he advises us always to include God in our plans and to not boast of our own achievements because we can do only what um, God wants us to do. We must remember that we're totally dependent upon God and our life is like a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our lives. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you sustain all life. And we do pray, Lord, that we would learn from your word. We thank you for all that it teaches us. All of these things just from one small book, one small letter. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that with your Holy Spirit we will be doers of your word, not hearers only. We thank you for Jesus, the living word. We thank you for all the blessings that we enjoy as individuals, as a fellowship. 
And we pray that you would use us to bring glory to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.